Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pastor David with We Are Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune into this podcast. Here at We Are Church, our mission is to be a place where people come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. One of the ways that we do that is through the reading and teaching of the Word of God. So I pray that this challenges you to take your faith to the next level and that you find freedom in every area that you are seeking. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's up, everybody? First off, I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning into the broadcast. Hey, if this is your first time tuning in with us, I want to welcome you. My name is Pastor David. I'm the lead pastor of We Are Church, and we're just super grateful for you tuning in with us tonight. Hey, before we jump into the message, can I get everybody watching tonight to smash that share button so that we can get this message out to as many people as possible? We're going to jump straight into the to the to the called series, and this is a message that they don't want to miss. So please share, hit that share button. Um, before we jump into the message, let us all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given each and every one of us. God, I pray over every single person watching or listening right now, God, I pray that you give them each ears to hear tonight what you want to say to them. God, I pray that this would not be my message, God, but that this would be your message, God. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you increase as I decrease. We pray for every person struggling right now. I bind and rebuke every spirit of distraction I commanded to break off of them. God, I thank you that this will be a pivotal moment in their lives, God, and and we're believing for that. God, I ask for you to do what only you can do tonight. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God, church. So if if you were with us last week, you know we jumped into a new series titled The Call. And we preached a I preached a, a message titled The Call to Awaken. And we talked about how apart from Christ, that we're not actually living, but we're actually dead, right? That the Bible describes us in ways such as being lost, that we're lost in, in need of being found, right? Or that we're blind, that we, we're, we're unable to see life for what it really is, and that we're asleep, right? That we're not even actually awake, that we might be physically awake, but spiritually in the spiritual realm that we are asleep. Then the Bible tells us that, that we're actually dead, that we're dead, that we're not actually living at all, that we might be living in the flesh, but spiritually, we're actually dead. And so we preached a a message last week titled A Call to Awaken. And we see that 2,000 plus years ago that Jesus stepped on the scene and immediately started identifying himself as the source of life. And we talked about a whole bunch of different ways that Jesus, um, how how he identified himself as this source of life. We talked about the the woman at the well that when Jesus met with her, he 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 sat wearily beside the well and he asked her to give him a drink. And she dumbfounded looked at her looked at Jesus and said, "Why are you asking me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman and you are a Jew." And Jesus said, "Man, if you knew who I was and the gift that God had for you, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water." And Jesus then revealed her sin to her and what it was she was struggling with. He said, man, you're, you're, you're actually thirsty, but, but what, you're, what you're really thirsting for is me. And Jesus said, if, if you would just drink of me, you would never thirst again because I would give you living water. And Jesus identified himself as this source of life again when he identified himself as, as the bread of life, right? That, that he is the bread of life, that we eat of him, that we will actually, that we won't die, but that we'll actually live, right? And then he identified himself as the light of the world. 
And he said, anybody who follows me will not have to walk in darkness because they will have the light that leads to life. Then he, again, as a true shepherd, he said, man, the enemy, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came. I came that they would have life and that they would have it more abundantly. Then ultimately, talked about the resurrection and the light, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And, and we read out of, out of uh, 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 the gospel of, of John, and we read about Lazarus and Jesus raising him from the dead. And when he walked up to, to Lazarus' sister, he told her, he said, no, you're about to witness a resurrection take place. She thought he was talking about the resurrection on the last day. He said, no, but there's a different resurrection that's going to take place. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he raised Lazarus from the dead, right? And Jesus demonstrated this life-giving power over and over and over. And the ultimate demonstration of that life-giving power was, was the resurrection that took place when he was buried in a tomb for three days and he rose resurrected on, on the third day. And we see that Jesus not only performed these signs, miracles, and wonders by opening the eyes of the blind, healing the sick, multiplying food, walking on water, and, and raising the dead, and, and then, then, then him resurrecting from the dead. But, but Jesus defeated death in the grave, and he ex extends that same power to anyone who is willing to receive it. And so we talked about three things that we were awakened to as believers, right? First, we talked about how we're awakened to reality, that for the first time in our lives, that after we give our lives to Jesus, that we are awakened to reality or the truth that we can see life for what it is and we can see um, sin for what it is. We can see brokenness for what it is and we can see God for what it is, right? Secondly, we talked about how we're awakened to power, right? That for the first time in our lives, we actually have the power to choose right from wrong. That we're awakened to a power to do the right things that please God that we didn't have before. And third, that we're awakened to purpose. We talked about how God wants to take all of our brokenness, all of our pain, all of the hurts that were inflicted on us, even the things and the hurts and the pains that we inflicted on other people. And God wants to use that, that God said, you're, we're holding on to things that, that God wants to use, right? And like, that's, that's the gospel at its fullest, that God can take a broken man and remove the, the heart of stone and give him a tender and responsive heart and place the spirit of God inside of him, heal his brokenness, change his ways and use him for the glory of God's kingdom. That's the gospel, like 100% summed up. Like how beautiful is it that God wants to do that? Not only for me did he do it for me, but God wants to do that for you and he wants to do that for your family members that you're stressing about, that God wants to change them. He wants to take them from their brokenness heal them and use them for his glory. So this week, I want to talk about the second call of God on the life of a believer. And I'm just going to say straight up from, from the beginning of this message that this is not going to be a very popular sermon. This isn't something that everybody likes to preach, but it's vital for your growth in the kingdom that I preach what I'm about to preach tonight, right? And my prayer is that, that, that you wouldn't harden your heart, but that you would allow the truth of of God, the truth of the word come into your life and into your heart tonight and, and set you free. So let me let me challenge you as you hear some things that might be difficult for you to hear tonight. I want you to open your heart and say, God, maybe this is something you're trying to speak to me. And I want you to allow the truth to get in and do what only the truth can do. Amen. <clears throat> so tonight's message is titled A Call 
to sanctification? And I want to start by answering what the question, answering that, I want to start by answering the question, what is sanctification? The Westminster Short, the Westminster Shorter defines sanctification this way. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby where we, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. It is a continuing work, a continuing change worked by God in us, freeing us from sinful habits and forming in us Christ-like affections, dispositions, and virtues. It does not mean that sin is instantly eradicated. But it is also more than a counteraction in which sin is merely restrained or repressed without being progressively destroyed. Sanctification is a real transformation, not just the appearance of one. And so what is this saying right here? That sanctification is the work of God's free grace, right? Whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. It says it's a continuing change worked in us, worked by God in us, right? freeing us from sinful habits and forming in us Christ-like affections, dispositions, and virtues. But look what it says. doesn't mean that sin is instantly eradicated, but it's also more than a counteraction in which sin is merely restrained or repressed without being progressively destroyed. Sanctification is a real transformation, not just the appearance of one. In other words, sanctification is the continuing work of God in the life of the believer, Right? doesn't mean that sin is instantly eradicated. But it also doesn't mean that we should only repress or restrain from sinning, right? It means that it is, it is, it is a continued work of God until it inevitably destroys more and more and more and more sinful habits and ultimately frees us that we're going from glory to glory to glory to glory. I want to talk about what the word sanctifies. Let's look at the word sanctify for just a second. The word sanctify, the basic meaning of sanctify is to set apart to God for his use. To set apart, to set to set apart to God for his use. In other words, we are called to be holy or set apart from this world, right? For the purpose of being used by God for God. And Paul, Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, verses 20 through 21. Verse 20 says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasion, occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. Did you see that? That Paul says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, in other words, if you keep yourself holy or sanctified or set apart, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. In other words, we're supposed to set ourselves apart um, apart or aside to be used by God, to keep ourselves pure and holy so that God can use us for his special work that he wants to use us for. And I want to tell you, watching this on, on the screen or listening to this on the podcast, that our lives are not supposed to look the same tomorrow as they did today. 
for a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years into our walks with God, but we are still struggling with the same thing and we are not moving past or maturing in things and we're not breaking bondages and we are not growing and we're not eliminating some of these things inside of our life. If there's no desire to be sanctified or to change and we haven't grown, something is is extremely wrong. Something is, is extremely wrong. Like I said, it doesn't mean that sin is instantly eradicated, but it also doesn't mean that sin is simply restrained or, 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 or suppressed, right? There should be a work of God that has taken place in our lives to where we are, we are ridding ourselves of the things that don't please God. There's three parts to the life of the believer, which is kind of where this series came from. But the first is, is, is regeneration or, or rebirth. That's where we move from death to life, where we're born again. This is what takes place at salvation. The second is, is, is sanctification, what we're talking about now, that this is the continued work of God, right? And the third is, is, is the mission or the service of the believer, which is where we make disciples, where we serve one another in love, where we, where, where we live our lives as a sacrifice poured out to serve God, right? And so the first regeneration is what we talked about last week, where we move from death to life, we're reborn and we're awakened to the things of God. This is where we get the where new desires are birthed in the heart of the believer, right? The desire to, 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 to worship God, right? The desire to pursue holiness, the desire to serve one another, the desire to, to fellowship, the desire to pray, to read our words, to, to forgive. All of these new desires that are birthed in us are, are what happen when regeneration takes place, when when new birth takes place. These are not natural desires. They're supernatural desires that are given to the believer from the heart of God. The second is sanctification. We talked about this, the continued work of God in the, in the life of the believer. See, regeneration is birth, but sanctification is growth, right? Regeneration is birth. Sanctification is is, is, is growth. Regeneration is a, is a momentary act. Sanctification is an ongoing process. So there's a process in our lives that will never end. And that's sanctification, that, that we're going to continue to move into in, more of, of the likeness of, of Christ. The third part of the believer's life is the mission or the service of the believer. But however, the, the, the purpose of regeneration and sanctification is to prepare you for service. So we're born again. There's a, a process of sanctification that takes place when we're first born again. But the ongoing process of sanctification is what prepares us for service. And so I want to touch on just a few simple points uh, on sanctification. First is sanctification is the responsibility of both God and the believer. Sanctification is both the responsibility of God and the believer. And I know what you're thinking right now. Well, David, the Bible says that I'm not saved by works. Yeah, true. But remember, we're not talking about a, a, a salvation right now. We're talking about sanctification as in growth. There should be a desire in each and every one of our hearts to grow. And that is both our responsibility and God's responsibility. And I'm going to show you that in Scripture. So first, let's talk about what part God has to play in this, right? And what part you have to play in this. Um, first, it is God's responsibility to convict you of sin. It's God's responsibility to convict you of sin. How does he do that? He does that through the working of the Holy Spirit. We see in the Gospel of John chapter 16, 
Jesus is, is, is explaining to his disciples that he's about to be crucified, right? That he's about to be beaten. He's about to be whipped. He's about to go through some horrible things and he's going to have to leave his disciples. But he explains to them in verse 7 of chapter 16, he says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. Did y'all see that? He said, I, I got to go away. He said, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. I don't want to confuse conviction with condemnation. Conviction shows you the problem, but it points to the solution, right? Condemnation points to the problem and, and tries to keep you there and say that's who you are and that, that you're defined by the problem and you'll never break free from that. But conviction is God's way of saying, I know you can do better. I want to help you do better. Let's do better, right? This conviction is, is the Holy Spirit trying to lead you into a different direction. It leads to, to freedom, condemnation. It's the enemy trying to keep you there and say that that struggle that you have is what defines you. Remember last week I gave the definition of conviction that, that could, could conviction summed up is, is the enabling power of God to choose between right and wrong. The enabling power of God to choose between right and wrong. John chapter 3 verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Let me say it like this. God did not send his son in the world to condemn you, but to show you that there's a better way. Convictions, conviction is, is God's way of saying, partner with me. Partner with me. Help me, help me to help you partner with me. Second, it's God's responsibility to empower you through grace to overcome temptation. It is God's responsibility to empower you through grace to, to overcome temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In other words, he's saying no temptation, no struggle that you have. You're not struggling with anything that is not common to man, right? So if you struggle with lust, that is not a temptation that is not common to man. If you struggle with anger, that is not a, a temptation that is not common to man, whether it's greed or whatever it is, whatever you're struggling with, it is not a struggle that is not common to man. But look what he says. He said, but God, God, is, God is faithful. Right, that he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will do what? He will provide a way of escape. He'll provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What is the escape? It's the other option. Remember, we talked about having the, the, the power to choose, right? So as we're as we're tempted, 
and we have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us, we now have a voice that is telling us right from wrong. And with the choice that he presents in front of us is where we have the power to choose. It is the way of escape. So when somebody sins against me and I'm angry in the Spirit of God and I want to I want to lash out and I want to blast them on Facebook or I want to do this. The spirit of God is telling me, no, don't do that. You need to release forgiveness upon that person. That's the, that's the choice. That's my way of escaping. As I choose that route, I begin to grow more and more into the character and into the likeness of Jesus. He said, man, David, but, but what about if I find myself in a position where somebody around me has Drugs, what's, what, what's, what's the other option? Sit there, stay in the place with the people who have drugs, or, or do we get up and, and do we leave? What if, if I'm around alcohol, I'm around a woman, if I'm, we, we have to choose the other choice, but he's not giving us a choice that we don't have the power to choose. If you have conviction about the thing that is tempting you, then you have the power to choose to follow the leading of the same spirit that is giving you that conviction in the first place. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19 says, I pray, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's what holy people to grasp how wide and long, high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And what is Paul saying to the, to the, to the church in, in Ephesus? He said, man, I pray that, that out of God's glorious riches, he'll strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's. On uh, some translations, say, may you have the power to understand as, as, as some, uh, may you have the power to to, to understand as all God's children should, right? Said to grasp how wide and long, high and deep is the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He's saying God will strengthen you with power through his spirit in our inner beings as we trust Christ. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together. Got to be rooted and established in, in God's love. And to know this love, which surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the what? fullness of God. I don't know about you, church, but I want to be filled with the fullness of God. I want to be all that God has called me to be. I want to experience all that I can experience of God. You can never have too much God. You can never have too much spirit. You can never have too much of his presence. I want as much of it as I can. Like, is, is that you today? Do you crave the fullness of God in your life? I want to talk about what part we have to play in the sanctification process. First, the believer is responsible for the pursuit of holiness. The believer is responsible for the pursuit of Holiness, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16 says this. He says, so prepare your minds for action and, and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that, come, that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. 
But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And Peter's saying, man, prepare your minds for action and, and exercise self-control. Let me talk about three simple principles that Peter mentions right here. First, he said, prepare your minds for action. If we were to translate this from the Greek, its proper translation would say to gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. I know a lot of you watching are like, what is... What does that mean to gird up the loins of your mind? What does gird mean? What are your loins? Like a lot of y'all don't know what they mean. So I want to explain what that is. So back in the days of, of Peter, um, in the biblical days, men would wear what you would call a tunic, right? And so it would be shaped like, like a gown. They would wear it like one long, long gown, and they would have a belt that would go uh, around the waist of this gown. Whenever the men would prepare to run or they would prepare for hard labor or they would prepare for battle, they would take this gown. You probably can't see me on camera, but they would take this. They would take the gown and they would pull all of the cloth to the front of them until it would, was hugged up against their butt. And they would take all of that excess cloth and they would tuck it underneath in between their legs. And then they would wrap the excess cloth around their waist and they would tie it in a knot. So what this did was this got rid of everything that would trip them up or slow them down, whether they were running or, 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 or preparing for hard labor or whether they were preparing for battle, right? So when Peter's telling you, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control, he's saying, gird up the loins of your mind. He is saying, prepare your minds for hard labor, prepare your minds for, for, um, for action and prepare your minds for battle, right? He said, man, get rid of anything that will trip you up or slow you down. Get rid of anything that will trip you up or slow you down. That should make some of us think right now, what, what, what am I around right now and who am I with in my life that is tripping me up or, 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 or slowing me down, right? He said, man, prepare your minds for action. Understanding, man, hey, I'm, I'm about to have to, I need, I need to work hard at this thing, I need to, I need to change. I need, I need, I need to grow. I need to eliminate anything that is going to trip me up or slow me down. Second thing he says is exercise self-control. And you've heard me say it before that faith is a muscle, and it's the same thing with 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 self-control. That self-control is a a muscle. It is a fruit of the spirit. But he's saying exercise self-control. So in, in in other words, we need to exercise self-controlling the things that we can already do, the small things, right, so that our, that our self-control grows, right? So for some of us, that's going to be, I don't need to go into a mall. If I have a problem spending money, I need to exercise self-control by not stepping into a mall, right? Little things like that, that we are taking that principle of exercising our self-control until we're actually disciplined enough, Right? And he said, place your hope in the eternal, right? He said, place all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when you see Jesus Christ or when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. He didn't say, place some of your hope in that. He said, place all of your hope in Jesus, right? He's saying, man, place all of your hope in the eternal, that this world is temporary. Stop placing your hope in the things of this world, in people of this world, and understand that you need to have your hope in this life, the life that comes after this. And I can see right now, man, what has already happened in just the month of January in 2021 has some of y'all's hope gone because you came into 2021 with, with these expectations of 2021 just being a great year where you aren't going to have any problems. 
And remember, we talked about it. What if 2021 doesn't get any better, but in fact, it gets worse? Will you still get better? We got to take our hope out of the things of this world and place them back on the only thing that matters. Peter goes on to say, he said, man, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Maybe he's talking to you today. Maybe when you, when you hear that, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Maybe you have began to just play with the world again, just a little bit. Just get your feet a little bit wet. He said, man, don't, don't, don't do that. He said, you didn't, you, you didn't know any better then, but, but you know better now. Like you didn't understand the difference between the world, right, of people who say they might know Jesus, but they didn't really know Jesus. You didn't understand right from wrong, but you've been awakened. Your eyes have been opened to the reality of the brokenness of this world and to, and to sin. You, you had the spirit of God dwelling inside of you now. You know what grieves the spirit. He said, don't slip back into that. Don't slip back into the old way of living only to satisfy your own desires. I mean, you, you didn't know any better then, but you, you know better now. He said, you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. But the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Paul over and over talks about that, right? That no, we're not bound by the law, right? That we're not, we're not bound by the law. He said, but we also don't have a license for, for immorality. He said, man, some of you trample on the blood of Jesus as, as, as if it's worthless. Like, I would highly encourage you to check your heart if you are walking around just trampling on the blood of Jesus as if it's worthless. The, the blood of Jesus is, is sanctifying and it's cleansing. So I want to ask you today, maybe, maybe you've been in that place, but you need to, need to, you need to put that in check. Say, God, man, you know what? I haven't, haven't been living as I should. I've been living just to, to, to satisfy myself. God help me to get back on track. Just like that. God will cleanse you. Secondly, it's the believer's responsibility to partner with God. It's the, it's the believer's responsibility to partner with the power of God in sanctification. In other words, it is not up to us to try to struggle in our own might, in our own strength to overcome sin. It is our responsibility to partner with the power of God in sanctification. And so just a quick little story. There's a story about a do-it-yourselfer who went into a hardware store one day. And a salesman approached him and asked him, he said, hey, can I help you find anything? He said, yeah. Well, I'm actually looking for a saw to cut some trees in my backyard. My saw isn't working anymore. So the salesman said, man, well, I know exactly what you need. I got exactly what you need. And he walks him over to this shelf and he reaches up and he pulls pulls down this, this new chainsaw, right? He pulls the chainsaw down and he said, man, this is the best chainsaw we have. It's the number one seller we have. You can cut up to 10 cores of wood a day. So the man got excited. Wow, 10 cores of wood a day. Okay, I'll take it. How much is it? And so the salesman told him the price and he purchased it and he, and he went home. Well, the next day, the same man walks into the hardware store and he looks, he just looks upset. And so the salesman walks up to him and says, man, is, is something wrong? Can I, can I help you? And he said, well, yeah, the saw you gave me, it doesn't, doesn't work. He said, I used to cut four cords of wood with my old saw and this one I can't even cut, but just three of them. So 
the salesman says, well, let's take it out back to the wood pile and let's see if we can't figure out why, um, why it's not working right. And so he takes it out to the back of the wood pile and the salesman pulls the cord. And as the motor went, vroom, the man jumped back and was like, oh my gosh, what is that noise? You see, the, the customer was trying to saw wood without the power of the chainsaw. And it's the same way for the believer who is trying to live a life and it's trying to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That we need the empowerment of the Spirit to accomplish the work that God is calling us to accomplish and to overcome the sin and the struggles we are struggling with. See, it's God's responsibility to supply the power. It's our responsibility to draw from that power. And so as we attempt to try to overcome Seeing in our own strength, we get worn down and, and beat up and ultimately fail. And then what do we struggle with? We struggle with condemnation again and again and again. Can I tell you, we already have too many Christians attempting to live godly lives apart from the source of life itself. That's why Jesus always identified himself as the source of life. You have to come back to him and drink living water again and again and again. So this message of sanctification is not so that you can realize how much you still have to struggle, but it's to realize that God wants to, he wants to help you, right? That he, he wants to do a new work in you. He wants to cleanse you of some things. He wants to help you get freedom with whatever it is that you're struggling with, that, that God wants to free you of those things. He wants to break bondage and, and, and chains in, in your life. And I tell you, you would never overcome your struggle apart from the Holy Spirit. You would never overcome it apart from the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says, Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And this is Paul. He said, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see that? Paul said, man, it's, it's important for you to work hard to show the results of your salvation. Some translations say work out your salvation, your own salvation with fear, trembling. Why did Paul say that? Paul said that because your salvation depends on it. Their salvation depends on it. Their salvation depends on it. And we are living in a world that is dying. This world is broken. It is, it is perishing. People all day long that are walking past us don't, don't know Jesus, haven't experienced Jesus. They're walking in depression and anxiety. They're just lost, hungry for God, and they don't even know that's what they're hungry for, thirsting for God, and don't even know that that's what they're thirsting for, right? But your pursuit of holiness leads to their pursuit of him. Your pursuit of holiness leads to their pursuit of him. So you, your holiness, your, your, your sanctification, the change, the growth that takes place in your life, that people will be looking at you saying, man, how did that person break free from that right there? And you get to point them to the, to the person who broke you free of it, and that's Jesus. He said, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. No matter where you're at today, if you're on the screen or you're listening right now on, on podcast, I believe God wants to do a work in your heart today. Maybe you listen to this message and you say, man, yeah, David, this was a hard message for, for me, me to listen to. I've, I've, I've strayed from God. I've, I've placed men or women in front of God. I've, I've backslid. I started hanging out with some of my old friends. I, I found myself drinking again. I found myself watching things on my cell phone that I shouldn't have done. Maybe you're, maybe you're that person. Maybe you're, you're just on the screen and you say, man, David, I've just completely walked away from God and I don't, I don't really know what to do. I'm so far from holy and I'm so far from sanctified. I feel like I can't even step foot into a church door or even talk to another Christian. Can I tell you right now that the blood of Jesus will sanctify you and cleanse you right now that you can start your life right over from this moment forward. This can be a pivotal moment in your life where you say, today is the day that I decide to give my life to Jesus and that I get right with God. That you can make the decision no matter where you are right now on the screen. Maybe you do know Jesus. Maybe you've been on fire for Jesus and maybe you just haven't even thought about, man, God, what do I, what do I do next? And you haven't asked God, God, what do you want to, what do you want to take out of my life? God, what's the next step for me? How, how can I grow? How can I, how can I do better? How can I get serious about the call on my life? Maybe that's you, you too. You can right where you are. You can just, just repent where you are and just watching this simply just say, man, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I repent that I haven't been actively pursuing you. I repent that I haven't been, been, been willing to let go of some things. God, I repent for placing some people in, 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 in front of me. Or God, I, I repent from walking back to some of the same things that, that you delivered me from. God, you led me out of captivity in, some, in certain areas, God. But I've, I've went back to them. The Bible says, like, as a dog returns to his vomit, so is a man who returns to his foolishness. God, we're, we're sorry for returning to our foolishness. And if you don't know Jesus and today you want to make that decision, simply just say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Welcome you into my heart today. I ask that you would change me from the inside out, right? That I believe that you resurrected on the third day. Just say, I believe it, Jesus. I believe you're real. I can see it in the lives of, of other people. I need you in my life. I need change and I don't know how to do it by myself. Simply put, just like that, just like that. You become a child of God. And I just pray, God, over every person listening, God, in the midst of this chaos, God, that we would find the peace that we need. God, give us strong convictions to not chase after this world, God, or, or not, not place our own political opinions over your word, God, but that we will, will give people the gospel, God, We'll point them to you, God. We want what you want, point blank, period. And we, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing in our church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Praise God, church. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight. We love you. We're praying for you, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about We Are Church, connect with We Are Church, or feel led to sow into We Are Church, we want to provide the means to do so. You can give online at weareministries.com, and you can also reach us on all social media platforms at We Are Church Nashville. God bless you, and have a great week.